Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is September 24th, 2022. How are you? Hopefully you've had a good week. I know, what is it? It's Saturday. Yes, I'm trying to keep up with everything. But um, as for me, my week's been pretty good. I guess we'll go ahead and give you a health update. I still feel a little icky. Yeah, that's no fun. But, um, you know, it is what it is. We're, we're living, living our life. I, I did get a good nap in. I'm sadly definitely not drinking enough water. I'm trying to work on that. You know, we'll see. See what I can do. <laughs> but that's, that is that is a, uh, I'm, I'm letting you behind the scenes here. I, I need to drink more water. Uh, it's definitely my, my thing. Like those memes about, hey, hey man, it's a hydration station. You need to drink some water. I need to do that because I, I just ignore that. I blow past those and I... Uh, you know, I have no excuse because I have a nice little water bottle. I know that I need to be drinking water. I need to get like, what, like a gallon or something a day. That's hard. That's hardcore mode. I can't do it. But, you know, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to do my best. Uh, food corner? Hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. I did make a really weird meal that I enjoyed. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I should. Yeah, let's talk about the good stuff. I don't want to talk about this this weird mystery meal I had. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. We'll see. Let me talk about the good. So I made, I saw this random thing on Facebook. You know, I'm just, just you know, scrolling along. And I saw this meal. It was like chili spaghetti. It was some kind of like maybe Alfredo sauce or something. I don't know. Then um, there were fries at the bottom. It was glorious. I was like, this is this is just a pile of food. Oh my goodness gracious. So I got inspired. And I tried to make something similar. Um, but I didn't have any like ground beef or anything like that that I wanted to use. So I had um, uh, like popcorn chicken. So I had popcorn chicken. I, you know, smothered and covered it. Made it real saucy. I made pasta, like elbow macaroni. Then I made some fries. And I had some like leftover curry sauce that I had, and I put it all together. <laughs> so that was my meal the other night, and it was really good. At least I thought it was really good. Oh, and then I also had uh, two pieces of bread and a bagel, because I like to do that. I like to have a little bread, like a little weird bread <laughs> on the side. So that was probably my meal of the week, for sure. Then I had a meal that was weird. It was like one of those pre-packaged things that you could get from like your Kroger. And uh, it was the chicken masala pasta, I think is what it was called. I apparently maybe I just don't know what chicken masala is or whatever. But this was like just way brothier than I expected. And I was like, all right, okay. Maybe I did explain this in the podcast and I'm just like getting foggy. But yeah, that meal was so weird and uh, I'm still not over that. <laughs> I'm still haunted by that meal. But um, hmm, I mean, that's that's pretty much the 360 you got on me right there. Uh, we can get into some news. Talk about it. I did say in the previous app that we have some updates. and I wanted to get those out of the way up front. So... You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't like talking about Trump. Like, I know people think that I am a professional hater now, and that's all I do is talk about these dudes I don't like. But, like, it's it, 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 I do try to tie it to, like, a reason, you know. And in this situation, it's legal. And 
I think we are finally reaching the arc in like the post, you know, President Trump, um, you know, situation. Like we're finally at this point now where people are really coming at him for the legal shit. And to me, that's something that's worth talking about. And like now that I've got my teeth on it, I feel like, okay, well, I want to do a little update here or there, you know, whatever. So next couple of bumps are pretty much Trump related. So, you know, by all means, if, you, if you're not feeling it, I, I get it. You know, give me about like five, 10 minutes and we'll be under the other guys that I don't like. But, you know, if, if you're with me, then you're with me. Let's go. Uh, let's see. Yahoo News, uh, Associated Press, uh, Trump docs probe. Court lifts hold on Mar-a-Lago records. So, essentially, you know, where we had left it off, the initial judge, oh gosh, what is her name? I know her last name, Cannon. Let's run with that for right now. But essentially, she had said, okay, I'm going to, you know, err on Trump's team side on this and, you know, there needs to be a, a special master, you know, set up. And not to mention that the Department of Justice was barred from, like, looking at a lot of these records because, you know, she didn't feel like it was okay. And there was an appeal from the U.S. Court of Appeals in the 11th Circuit. And essentially they ruled in favor of the Department of Justice saying, hey, you now have access. You can, you know, go about your investigation and look at these documents. So that's like one big part of this conversation, you know, in this article that was important. Uh, I did want to get a quote that Trump has. He had this from an interview on Fox News. Uh, If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying it's declassified, even by thinking about it. You're the president. You make that decision. So that, that just, just a disclaimer, that's not how it works. That's just how he feels like it should work. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was on Hannity or whatever. I'm sure he like gave me old tugger like, yeah, yeah, daddy, you're right. But that's just not how that goes. So um, essentially there's pushback from that. Um, let's see. There's some more stuff here. Um... Let's see. Responding to the order, Cannon on Thursday struck the parts of her order that required the department to give Dreary and Trump's lawyers access to uh, classified documents. Instead, Dreary would review the much larger tranche of non-classified government documents. I'm just kind of reading some some points here. Um, Let's see. Um... But I guess kind of going further on, like, his thing about, like, hey, I'm allowed to declassify what I want when I want however I want, um, they stopped sort of saying that they were actually declassified. Like, they aren't actually saying that legally in court yet. I guess they might be holding off in case there is going to be an indictment. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I got a burp coming, maybe? There it is. <laughs> Excuse me. But, I mean... Definitely just something to kind of want to give you a little taste of it. Obviously, you know, you can look into it yourself, get the full review. But um, wanted to cover that part. Then in New York, I got this from ABC News. Um, New York um, AG Letissa James files 
$250 million lawsuit against Trump for defrauding lenders and others. So this article was very informative. I mean, I'm not just pulling from this article. I'm also, you know, from the airways I've gotten from like uh, podcast stuff like Start Here and uh, let's see what else is there. BBC, I don't really feel like they've done too much coverage on it, but ABC uh, Start Here was a good one for this as well. But essentially, and maybe the Daily did an episode on this too, but Letitia James, as I've kind of covered before, I didn't really do it too well because just trying to describe it was like making my head twirl and I wasn't really getting it. But now that I've seen a little bit more of what the case is, it kind of helped like understand what she's trying to say he did. But essentially, Letitia James has been, you know, has made it a part of her campaign uh, to get to attorney general and, and, you know, from how she's come up and saying, hey, I want to prosecute Donald Trump. I want him to be held responsible for the, some, you know, some of the stuff he's done because it's affected, you know, this pe- the people of New York. That's been a, a really strong claim that she's had and she's rode this to this point. Now, she's officially filed this civil lawsuit. It's not a criminal one, but she has also put in her, um, like, submitted her evidence to uh, federal prosecution. So, which is a lot. I know it says, like, the amounts were in the article. I should try to find that at some point. But it's just a lot of documentation. And more or less what she's saying is just scratches the surface of what he's done to kind of misrepresent himself as, like, more wealthy than he is. And, you know, in doing so, he's, like, just, like, skirting taxes. He's overinflating his wealth. And just doing things that are literally just not possible. He's representing, you know, an entity that's just not possible. Also, her civil lawsuit isn't just for Donald Trump. It is also, you know, other Trump family members, as well as uh, two, I think, like, executive members of his uh, staff. uh, Alan Wieselberg and Jeff McConnelly. Let's see here. I think... I have a statement from the lawsuit. Uh, Mr. Trump made it known through Mr. Weiselberg that he wanted his net worth on the statements to increase. A desire Mr. Weiselberg and others carried out year after year in the fraudulent preparation of statements. The scheme to inflate Mr. Trump's net worth also remained consistent year after year. So she's establishing through this narrative, like, one big example that really helped me get this was there is a like an estate that he owns in New York, and it initially I think is like about eleven thousand square feet, and he represented it as like thirty thousand square feet, and it allowed him to have like an inflated evaluation of like. I don't know. I, I want to say it was um, okay. Yeah, it was the Trump Towers. Here it is. So, Trump Tower. Trump valued his Trump Tower apartment at three hundred and twenty-seven million dollars. No apartment in New York City has ever sold for that amount. Um, and then adding that the inflated valuation, inflated valuation was based on exaggerated square footage, despite Trump knowing it wasn't that big. <laughs> I do like that sentence. Trump knew it wasn't that big. <laughs> he knew he was fretting. But, um, you know, you can see this in practice 
in how like he's had his wealth inflated at times. Then he then goes to Forbes and says, hey, put me on the Forbes magazine is like, you know, the super wealthy guy then takes that article or that, you know, that that whole situation from Forbes and goes, yeah, look, look, you see how much money I'm making here? You see how much I'm clearing here? Look, I'm actually worth more than that even, okay? All right, you see this? And so it it is a misrepresentation of your wealth. You're using that to, you know, get around taxes and pay way less than you should if you are worth this much, but then magically you're not. And this is just something that the rich are allowed to do but someone who is making my kind of money can never do that. Shit, the average middle class wealthy person, whatever, couldn't do this kind of shit. And, you know, more or less what Letitia James and her, you know, her team, you know, the state, I'm, I'm assuming, I believe, is trying this, you know, civil lawsuit or whatever. They're trying to assert that it's like this just isn't right. And that alone should make you go, hey, we need to do something about this. Now, um, you know, from Trump's side... They said, hey, this is a witch hunt. Like, there are plenty of people you could accuse of this. Why are you going out of your way to accuse uh, Donald Trump? I think Trump has even come out and said that, like, Letitia James is, like, being racist or something like that. Um, You know, don't quote me on that. I don't know. This whole shit is wild. Um, I know I'm not doing a hella great job here, but I wanted to kind of shed a little bit more light on it, talk about that. And then... um, Let's see, I got one more update I wanted to cover on this episode. Um, got this from the AZ Central again. But this is an update on Robert Sawyer. You know, or Sarver. Gosh, so was I saying his name wrong in the other episode? Robert Sarver. Sorry. Like server, but Sarver. Um, but yeah, he's um he's given up the team. He uh let's let's read the title. Robert Sarver announces sale of Phoenix Suns Mercury following NBA investigation backlash. Wow, 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 wow. I'm racist. <laughs> um so yeah, he's given up the ghost. He's given up the gun. He's um he's done. He's not he's not with it anymore. He's he's packing up his shit. He's going home. Um let's see. There's a quote here. I'll go ahead and read that off the top. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things that I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. <sighs> End quote. Wah, wah. I can't believe you guys are so mad about me saying the N-word. Oh, oh, I'm so, like, I didn't mean to really harass those women and other people. I'm sorry, bro. I'm (laughs) I'm getting myself worked up over this. Oh, my goodness. But let's see. Um, Doing a little bit of research. I didn't dig too much other than this article. But it was very interesting to hear that there actually was backlash. Like, I think for me... I'm pretty jaded, 
So I kind of thought something like this was just going to be like, okay, yeah, you know, he's going to pay a lot of money. Um, you know, it's the maximum they could do. Yada, yada, yada. We'll see how this goes. But people were really like raising up a fair about this. And I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that, you know, people are not just being quiet about it. I think LeBron came out. There's other team or other um, people in the league that also spoke up. Al Sharpton, you know, was definitely making a big fuss, had, um, you know, some quotables. So apparently, you know, it was too hot for the kitchen. And I mean, it was, there was talks of even like saying, hey, I want to appeal to the other coaches to, you know, amount of vote about this shit to say like look we're not okay with this this guy needs to go and essentially that vote would establish hey who is really okay with this who's not like essentially was this guy's thought process on the issue and um i think a lot of people are like "Mm, that wouldn't be fun we don't like that and i think it would be very embarrassing you know from sarver's perspective to have like a unanimous type of situation where like yeah no we think this guy needs to be expelled and apparently that's something that can be done in the uh, NBA. I didn't know that. You know, I'm not a sports ball guy. And I know this is like upper echelon, you know, owner talk. So I was like, okay, wow, that's a lot of veto power. So um, appealing to people to do that, it's a big call. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, LeBron James, Draymond Green, and Suns all-star Chris Paul expressed their displeasure on social media with, a, with, a, with just a suspension and hefty fine. So, oh, I guess another burp, maybe, maybe cough. Mm. <laughs> um, so just a lot of uproar. Oh, even PayPal. Yeah, that's right. PayPal announced in a statement it wouldn't renew its sponsorship with the Suns next season if Sarver remained involved with the team after the 2022-2023 season. So Sarver has decided to sell the teams. Now, indicated kind of from his quote. It's assumed that he does have the control to do that and to sell it to whoever he wants to sell it to. But um, let's see. And he's just a majority owner. So he's selling his majority you know, stake in the company, in the franchise. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Let's see. Ba- maybe maybe uh, eating some you know, rebuttal pie here or correction corner already based on his statement. Sarver appears to have power to choose who he wants to sell the Suns to, as he owns about 35% of the franchise, but the NBA has a list of potential owners and the ownership groups as well. Okay. There you go. That's how I wanted to say it from the article. I just, you know, say it from the article. There we go. Um, but yeah, it goes on to say that he bought the Suns in 2004 for $101 million. Uh, the franchise is now worth more than $1 billion. So, I mean, he's going to come up on this most likely. The rich get richer. It doesn't matter if you don't like women or black people. But um, in some shysty business, I wanted to, I guess we can move on now to the, you know, the new news, if you will. Article I got from Reuters. Fraudsters likely stole $45.6 billion, that's with a B, from the U.S. COVID Unemployment Insurance Program. So, you know, I like covering the grists and the gaffes, the schemes and the schemers. 
Um, this is definitely a fucked up one, though. I mean, not that they're not all fucked up, but, you know, sometimes it's, like, the rich stealing from, like, snobby other rich people, so it's, like, whatever. Sometimes it's interesting tech stuff, and I like just knowing what hackers are up to. But, um, this was definitely just a really sour one, um, just because this is defrauding people who needed the money. You know, often people who are poor and, you know, who could have definitely used, you know, relief from a situation in this you know this pandemic that was going on that we all live with um but let's see about nearly about a year ago nearly 16 billion dollars in potential fraud had been identified uh the report was issued uh thursday by an inspector general for the u.s labor department identified an increase of 29.6 billion dollars in potential fraudulent payments um, now, I believe the scheme, they used um, social security numbers of deceased per, like people, and they claimed for those people, and like it was you know supposed to go to, um, let's see here, um, you know, like I said, there's people in need of it during, you know, the COVID, you know, crisis, but they determined that 205,766 uh, numbers were used, um, which is a really big number, which means that people got away with a lot of money. Um, now I believe they've charged 47 people. So yeah, there's 47 defendants who are accused of stealing $250 million from government aid that was supposed to feed children in need during the pandemic. Okay. I'm sorry. So it wasn't just like impoverished people. It was children in need. Once again, forgive me. <laughs> I'm, I'm slogging through this episode. I'm slogging through this weekend. Um, let's see. A Minnesota nonprofit organization, Feeding Our Future, was accused of orchestrating the plot. Its founder, Amy Bach, denied wrongdoing. In March, the Justice Department said it had brought over a thousand cases of crimes involving jobless benefits during the pandemic. So... I mean, like I said, definitely a lot of crime, definitely a lot of scheming. Um, as sad as this is, I am glad that it was at least caught. And, you know, hopefully at least some people can see um, some justice. And then hopefully some people can, you know, get said aid that is needed. Even though I know, you know, we're in 2022. Um, anything is better than nothing. That's for sure. Um, I guess speaking of anything being better than nothing, not the best segue, but we'll take it. Got this from Yahoo News um, and also the Associated Press. Serial case, Adnan Saeed released, conviction tossed. So this was big news and interesting to me because it is a really cool example of a true crime podcast in real life coming together and like, having some justice served i mean i feel like that's the best thing to say i mean i guess you can slap in allegedly here because obviously not everything is um concluded per se but definitely justice for adnan saeed um he was convicted in 1999 of the murder of hymen lee hymen lee i think that's how you pronounce it um it was his ex-girlfriend i believe it said a it said um, ex-girlfriend here, but I've heard just, you know, girlfriend, but essentially he was accused of killing her. Um, 
you know, was sent to, I believe, life in prison. And um, there was a podcast who I believe, um, was it Sarah Cohen? Um, she's a reporter turned, you know, podcaster. And she spent a book, I believe it was like a 12 episode, like how it, you know, all gets broken down. 12 episode season on this, you know, breaking it down and talking about it. At least that's what I think. I actually, I need to actually look into it, like what the podcast is, because it does sound very cool, interesting. But um, it's definitely crazy how, you know, you go through all the details of this case and it's like, wow, this this is very shaky. Like, you would think that, you know, the wheels of justice would turn in a way that's like, hey, okay, you're at least going to do the whole due process from top to bottom on the law and order part, right? But no, both sides seem to say, hey, we think we got the right guy on this. Yeah, there's other suspects, but we're not going to really look into that. And then, not to mention on the other side for, you know, Saeed's um, defense, you know, I, I think the uh, person who was defending him, she died in 2004, but, you know, during the process of the case, you know, she made some errors and, you know, he wasn't properly defended. So, you know, through all this, it winds up, oh man, like this person is serving a crime or serving a life sentence for the crime of strangling his 18-year-old girlfriend. Like this is, they, they you know, they, they dated in high school and people just connected the dots and said, you're the, you did it. This is what it is. You know, the family is thinking, yeah, justice is served. This person's, you know, rightfully in prison. But, you know, all this stuff comes into comes to light. And then I think it was a new prosecution that kind of comes to the head and says, we they're doing a review of everything. And they're like, no, we're actually going to, like, look at this. And, you know, they go through the evidence. They look through everything. And they, they're like, no, this is wrong. Like, there are holes in this. This is Swiss cheese. This, is, this shouldn't be enough to have convicted him. And, um, you know, they run it up to an appeal and it gets appealed, um, which is, you know, really crazy. Now, um, he's not necessarily, you know, free and clear. Like he is home now. Um, I think it's like under supervision or whatever, but, um, essentially there were two other prime suspects that, you know, weren't really fully pursued. And, um, I think one, Gosh, I got this information from another podcast, actually. But um, the two, I think one's already in prison for another crime. And an, and I don't remember the whereabouts of the other. But essentially, you know, they're doing the evidence and the due diligence now, doing investigation there. There also is a chance that they might pursue Syed still. But from what I've, you know, looked at, that seems really unlikely. But, um... You know, there is a time window for them to pursue another case potentially, but we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Prosecutor said the failure to disclose the alternative suspects to the defense amounted to what's known as a Brady violation. So that's why, you know, that, that whole thing is like you're supposed to <clears throat> let the defense know the whole scoop, like what's available here. And that's something that the prosecution didn't do. Even though they're saying, I think, um, um, yeah, Attorney General Brian Frosch, who represented the state during the uh, Syed appeals, said that, um, among 
other serious problems with the motion to vacate the allegations related to the Brady violations are incorrect. Sorry. So make sure I was on the right thing. So essentially he was saying like, no, we, we dispute that. We don't think that that's actually the case, but, um, you know, Hey, I, for one thing, it's good that the process is like, Hey, let's check ourselves. This is obviously wrong here. And, you know, they did something about it. That's a good thing. Um, I know a lot of times it's always lock them up, throw away the key, and we move on, and we try to just forget about these kind of things. But especially, you know, when due diligence isn't actually carried, it's important to have these kind of reviews. It's important to have these kind of systems in place. And it's a shame that they fall through and have fallen through for so long, you know? Like, it's it's a shame that Saeed had to wait this long. I mean, he had definitely was something that he had said he had given up hope about, but, you know, he just couldn't give up fighting. And it would have been so much easier just to be like, you know, hey, I'm just going to plead guilty here or try to, like, do something. But, like, you know, he maintained, like, he was innocent. And it's good that, um, you know, something positive finally came out of it. So, you know, I'll keep you posted if anything more comes up. Um, also, something I'm kind of glossing over here, too. The brother was also involved in the case, the brother of um, Hyman Lee. And, you know, she he had said, hey, like, you know, more or less to the effect of I was, you know, led to believe that this was the person that's supposed to be behind bars. But if this isn't the person, then, you know, it's not right for him to be here. So, you know, I'm OK with this, you know, and, you know, I, you know I'm i pretty sure he just wants to see justice served as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to wrap it up here and one more. We got one more to go and um, I will let you go after that. But, you know, you know the drill. And I know, listeners, I'm sure, tisk tisking me. It's like, aren't you sick? What are you doing? You're just making it worse. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm a masochist. Um, <laughs> but we're back. Um, got us some NPR, but I will say there's definitely a lot of other perspectives to look at on this article, on this, um, you know, situation at large. <coughs> mm. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, MBR, why Iranian women are burning their hijabs after the death of Masa Amini. So, you know, long short here, Masa Amini, 22 years old, she died on Friday in northern Tehran after she was arrested on Tuesday and reportedly taken to a hospital shortly afterwards. Essentially, there's a thing in Iran called the morality police. Um, if you've kind of listened to, you know, any of our coverage on the you know, Afghanistan situation, it is similar that I would definitely stress. And it's something I've kind of looked at, you know, kind of talking to people. You cannot do a blanket statement here. Um, you know, the situation when you talk to a person about their culture is specific to their culture. So when I, you know, when we're talking about Ir- Iranians and their situation, you're talking about Afghanistan's and their situation. Those aren't the same, but I will say, you know, in terms of, just the situation where you could have your government being oppressive, that is very similar. And that's more or less what I'm discussing and, and drawing a commonality with, where you have 
you know, your government that uses this part of your religion to say, hey, you guys have to do it this way and only this way. But you have the people saying like, look, we want to respect this. We want to have our religious, you know, faith and practices, but we also want to be our own people. And you have this clash. And essentially here in Iran, the morality police, they rounded up Amani. And, you know, there's definitely, once again, allegedly throughout here, but um, the police rounded her up and it is said that, you know, you know, reported, witnessed that they immediately took her in the van, were beating her in the van over this situation. They then, you know, she was beaten so badly, they had to then take her to the hospital. Now, they say they took her to the hospital because she was suffering from a heart condition. The family says she never had a heart condition. That was not the reason. You guys assaulted her. And now she's dying. And she died in the hospital. Now, um, it's a, it's a, it's a shame. It's a, it's so fucked up to just say, hey, I want to go outside. I want to go see my family. I want to just do things. I just want to be a human being and live my day. And in doing so, you are somehow deemed a problem to the point that you are beaten to death and essentially just discarded. Because that's that's what they wanted to have happen. In their eyes, she wasn't wearing her hijab properly to their liking. And for that, she needed to be punished. And they punished her to death. Um, I think that's fucking fucked up. I'm happy to see that there are people who are fighting for their right. Um, and I want to always try to use my my situation, my station, and privilege of having a platform to try to talk about that and, um, you know, at least draw some awareness. You know, I know I'm a head ass, I'm a dummy, um, but, you know, we can talk about this stuff and we can say, hey, you know, there are people out there who are fighting. And I found it really interesting that there are people who are saying, like, this was like a George Floyd moment for them. And that kind of felt very, very reflective, being that, you know, I'm an American, I'm a person who's living and seeing the protests and stuff happening here. And, um, you know, seeing that there's a reflection and, and, and that's happening everywhere and people are saying, yeah, no, enough of this shit. We need to be treated like people. We shouldn't have police telling us what to do and, and to, to this thing, like oppressing us. Like police are here to protect and serve. That's it. Not to be your boss. That's not what their their purpose is. Um, ooh, excuse me, wow. Um, but also, there's it's it's more than just the police. It's more than them saying we don't just want any more minor um, morality police. We we want. They're saying, and I, and I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing this, but they want death of the dictator because that's how um, you know the Iranian. Um, government is is run you know it's a very top-down situation i know i should have the name of the person but i don't i'm sorry I'm once again a dummy but um you know they're really saying like it's enough of this we don't want this like we, you know we want to live our life we want to practice our faith and live our way the way we want to and um you know obviously at isaiah's new sam we're fucking for that shit so i wanted to talk about that and give it some coverage give it some light um 
more or less, that's the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for sticking around so long. You're a champ. You're a real top G. <laughs> um, no, fuck that shit. Fuck Andrew Tate. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to put a, a full disclaimer here. We haven't really talked about that on the pod, but fuck Andrew Tate. <laughs> All my homies hate Andrew Tate. <laughs> but um, thank you for sticking around. You know the vibes. I got to try to sell you something. And it's a little bit of me. Mwah. Um, Isaiah's newsstand, uh, patreon.com slash Isaiah's newsstand. No, ooh, I'm sorry, I'm botching it. Patreon.com slash Isaiah News. There you go. That's how you can help out the podcast. Every $5 donation, uh, gets you, like, you know, Discord access, gets you a shout out on the podcast. Um, what else does it get you? It also gets you a, like a news bump. So if like you want me to talk about something specific, if you want me to show something that you'd like, whatever, I can do that for you. Essentially like advertising <laughs> for five bucks. What a deal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we can work that out. Uh, free way to hit me up is Isaiah news one at gmail.com. There we go. Nailed that one. Take Jake. Boom, boom. Um, other than that, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do another, like, maybe Leftovers bonus episode. I'm thinking about it because it's Saturday and I, like, have a whole day tomorrow to do that or, like, the whole week. And, you know, I miss you guys sometimes, you know? I'll see, like, people listen and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I gotta get back to you guys. I gotta, like, talk somewhere. I gotta, like, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, no, um, we'll see. I'll keep posted. We'll see how I'm feeling. We'll see what the vibes are, if they're fucked or not. But, um... Hopefully, I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.